Hey everyone, Yas here and I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask and that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends and don't forget to get in touch guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter at the Coaches Net. Once again, that's at the Coaches Net. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey, guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A license football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. All right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I've got a very special guest with me today. My guest today is Paul McGuinness. Afternoon, Paul. How are you? Hi, Yas. Yeah, really good. Good to see you. Good to start football again. Definitely, definitely. Paul, just um, if there is anyone out there listening to this right now that's not, that's not familiar with who you are, maybe just give a brief backdrop around who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I sort of always start with my dad because there's so much to do with my football history. My dad played for England, Man United, broke his leg at 22, was a Busby babe, would play with Bobby Chant. Then he became one of the youngest ever coaches for England in the youth coaches winning the World Youth Court Tournament. Then then he was manager of Man United, really, and I followed in his footsteps. So I tried to play football for Man United, got to reserve level twice. I went to university in between and came back, so I had... Ron Atkinson and then Sir Alex Ferguson as a as managers, um, so that was interesting. And then um, yeah, P P student, P and sports science student. That was in the old days. We only just started then. And um, then I came back. Had a couple of. I played a little bit at Crew, a little bit at, at uh, Chester in the league, not very much. And um, then Sir Alex brought me back. I was on the coaching staff for years. Uh, the whole age groups, nine to sixteen, then under eighteen coach. Then I had some quite you know enjoyable time uh, learning a lot at, at, at the FA as a coach developer, or trying to be. And then I had a few months at Leicester, but now I'm just I'm back. I'm between jobs because I've been looking after my parents here back in Manchester, but but looking for a job in the northwest, or if not doing a lot of this sort of stuff and consultancy work and and stuff all over the world really. I suppose yeah. Awesome. You know, I'm sure there's there's so many different directions we can take this in because you've got a depth of different experiences and obviously different people that you worked alongside. So um, I'm going to attempt to kind of narrow the focus a little bit. Um, I'm, again, happy to happy to see where it goes and where your experiences take us. But you know, you, you obviously you know you talked there very briefly around your time at um, the FA and you know it, you know your quote unquote attempts to become a coach developer. I think I think we're all in, always in that in that role anyway. Uh, when we're around coaches, I think we all indirectly are developing other coaches just by being coaches ourselves. So I guess you know what 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 were the biggest things that you kind of um, picked up during your time at the FA in terms of you know you talked there as well about having a degree way back when it just really was a new thing in terms of PE and uh, sports development particularly. Things must have changed massively since then and now. Um, as as would have coach education. So maybe we can start there. What what were your major changes in terms of coming through as a young coach, and what were the biggest challenges and differences you saw, obviously, when you became part of your FA itself? Well, I think we all we were all moving. We're always trying to. If you've got a, an obsession with football like I have, and a lot of people do, you you you're always wanting to learn. 
you know so you you your um your awareness and attuned to anything you're trying to you're trying to learn from wherever you can obviously in the old days you you come back there wasn't so much as there are is on the internet there wasn't so much on tv so you know a big part of that then is making sure you got in the room with the right people um now i did have a head start graham carrick says to me you, you know you've got football privilege so i was definitely brought up in a privileged sort of household my dad's a manager a coach he's played for england bobby charles one of his best mates so he comes around the house you got different people in um and growing up i would go all over with my dad watching games um you know going to training at 11 i was training with the 16 year olds apprentices going in training at 14 i'm training with the reserves you're training with older players and and i've just been in the room with lots of really um good people to learn from. I think probably one of those things then is, is for coaches, you try and get in a room with more experienced people, but then also know how to behave in the room. And when you, you know, I went that reserve, that first team, or well, the coaches room at Man United, it was Alex Ferguson coming out of the door. It was Jim Ryan. It was Brian Kidd, Nobby Styles, um, Eric Harrison. I used to sit there. I sat there for two years, didn't say anything, hardly, you know, every now and again. And I just soaked it all in. So that's a mass. I think you, you're learning by doing and then you go and practice it and you learn by doing and being in the room with some great people. I, I, I was lucky. I went to Loughborough University. We had some great people there. People got games for understanding um, uh, through through the the education system was Thorpe and Bunker. So they were some of the guys who took us. A guy called Jim Greenwood, George Gandhi. They were all top in their field. So... Um, I mean, the, the the football coach um, was a guy called Mike Holiday, Doc Holiday. He was the first football coach I I met who saw who didn't shout constantly from the side. He he just stood and watched in the bank. Then he'd come at half time, three points, and you'd go and visit him and see him, you know, during the week and just have a chat. It, it, it you know opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, so yeah, that 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 that's a big part of it. Um, into again going into the FA. You, you're like loads of people have been doing that for years. So loads are really fantastic people. Um, you know, I mean, wasn't the FA at that point was, uh, but you learn a lot from them is, um, well, um, John Allpress was, was great. People like uh, uh, John McDermott, but then you've got Noddy Holder, you've got... Uh, You've got uh, people like um, Pete Sturgis, or you know, great uh, Graham Carrick was the one I was most on my wavelength. Um, I, there's too many there. Mick, Mick yeah. Matthews, lots of lots of good people to to learn from. Yeah. It just 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 on that because obviously you know, I think it's really important to highlight that you, know, you talk there about you know the games for understanding approach and um, talk about way back a couple of decades back. Um, um, for many people, they think this is a new thing. Um, and it's, it's evidently not. Obviously, the research is there. It's been going on for a long time, but it's become probably a bit common, a little bit more mainstream now to use games for understanding as, as part of an approach in terms of coaching um, and just using game-based practices just generally. So, you know, were you on board with the idea from back then or was you still conflicted with it having... Yeah, no, at, at that point, the, the, the top and bunker at that point, their main thing was, look, there's loads of kids playing games or missing out on games at school because... They're not good enough technically to do it, and then maybe spending spending hours in lines doing technical practice when really they should be playing the game first, and, and we'll modify the game so that 
they can get more enjoyment. So they were saying, well, let's watch the tactics first. Let's make it short tennis with a with a softball and a smaller racket. You know, you don't play tennis. Everybody's playing tennis at school. You get two hits and you're chasing the ball all over. So they that's what their first initial thing was. And they wanted it more for um, how do we get people to understand games and compete with the, you know, more equal footing. Um, and then that developed over time. Obviously, all these things develop. But I think it also developed into uh, something where people say, oh, you're a games teacher, just let them play. And that's not right. You have to design the guy, the game that will bring it out, but also have the the language and the and the knowledge to attune people's attention to the key things. So I think that's sort of a little lost there. And um, we were talking before we came on about yeah, what's the observation skills and the understanding to actually design the game or to actually see what's going on in order to coach it. Then yeah. Yeah, I think you look at it from a, an observation standpoint, you know, talking about having that knowledge to attune the players to it and essentially raise their self-awareness and their understanding around what things are that they should be taking into consideration as key variables. I think, um, obviously, you know, there's been a massive changes in the coach education pathway over the last 10, 15, 20 years even. <laughs> Sorry. Certainly since I started my journey, and obviously, it, and I'm, and I'm sure it was probably similar when you first came through yours, where it was very, very technical heavy. In terms of the, you know real focus on the technical information and potentially tactical information that goes in um, to what coaching should or could look like, um, and obviously using your experiences to blend that in with potentially a games for understanding approach, um, that's in my you know in my opinion it's gone less and less and less about the technical tactical. It's much more about the holistic approach around a you know a four, a four corner model if you if you if you want to refer back to that as an example. But what it certainly has done in, in my opinion is given. Um, Plenty of opportunities for us to have a variety and a um, a real range of coaching styles and coaching approaches. But fundamentally, I think what's also happened within that is it's made it more challenging for coaches about to observe and understanding what what that technical detail may be because it's not been as outwardly provided as a guidance or reference point um, as it maybe once was. So, you know, what what what, what are your th thoughts on that first? And obviously, we can kind of go from there. Yeah, I think I think that's right. There's a lot more stuff quite rightly into it. You know, how do we look after kids? How do we best coach them? What's the development age and all this, all these things um, that come into it, the social corner. Yeah, it's, it's important. But when we get to the actual, just the football, how, how do we get the football, which is never just the football because <clears throat> how the kids feel, are they comfortable in your in your session will make a difference. Um, but we, we probably then by having so much stuff going, people aren't, aren't really skilled and attuned to really seeing what's going on. And then they can be sort of baffled by some of the football lingo, you know, so new ling language comes up like the counter press. Well, basically, that's just win it back as soon as you can, you know, but now it's become the counter press. And, and now it's the high press, the low block, the all these things come into people and they sort of half know what they mean, but they've got to know what it means to the individual player within that session. So I think the big thing now is from the player's eye view, the coaching. So if we if we were to start from scratch, we haven't got any of the, uh, the, the, the language and we, we someone's not brought out the principles of play, which of course the principles play are there all the time. Um, but you people like width, depth, penetration, creativity, compactness. Well, I just started with my, I don't know a lot about football, but I just started with my girls team. I'm going to help them. What do I need to know? You know, how, how can I help them? How can we attune them to what, the, what those kids are doing? So I, I started to think about this and, and think, well, how would I explain it? 
I'm starting to play, or your kids are starting to play in the back garden. One of them's got the gate, you know, the gate in, in the fence, and the other one's got a bench at the other end. And the garden's like 20 yards long, 15 yards long, whatever it is, or you're in the backyard or wherever, or in the park, and you, you've got to score, you're playing 1v1. So when you start off, they've not got loads of skills and so on, but they, they've got the intention to score. So they know if they kick the ball closer to the goal, got more chance of scoring. So the first thing is they just kick it and run. That's a natural thing to do, isn't it? They kick it and they go. Now they've got a bit of advantage because they know when they're kicking it. So they've got a timing advantage and they kick it and go. And they might get a goal and then the other one. But now as they get a little bit better or a bit cuter, or you play against someone older, quick, they, you can't get past them, you know? So now you've got to do something different. So now what you do, you take the ball to one side Take the ball to one side, the defender comes with you, and as they're flowing that way, you knock the ball with the outside of your foot on the other way. You, you do a sidestep, a dodge, don't you? Stanley Matthews, drag and dodge. So there's a couple of things in there. You're making the move one way, and then you surprise them when you go. So the timing, you get the time and the change of speed and the change of flow. So you go against their flow. So that starts to become a key principle. Now, in the first one, you kick it and run, so you've got the timing, so the flow of movement you start before them. It's like a race. This one, you, you're doing both, but now you're adding in change of direction. Now, as you're getting a little bit better, now the defender comes across to block, and you go to shoot, and now you come back with disguise. So they're going to block. They lift the leg. They're going that way. Now you've cut back. You're going with disguise. So... You say, yeah, disguise is another one, another little concept. And that's really, it's make it look with all your body like it's going to be one thing. And at the very last second, chop it back. Yeah. Now, you could do this five yards away, but it's never going to beat them. So the another little concept is get close to the fire without getting burnt. So if you can get them moving fast to block yeah. you and then chop it back at the last second, but also close to the fire, you can kill, you know, the dead. And you you put the you put the ball in the goal, and of course, then what might happen is you miss the goal, you miss the you miss yeah, the bench. Yeah. So there's another key aspect that comes in, accuracy and efficiency, and that might be to do with ball striking. You know, how did you what part of the foot did you hit, and so on. So there, I would say, I I, I walked past a group yesterday of girls. They had a diamond. They all stood in lines, and the coach had them passing it through some cones to somebody else to run onto. And it's so stiff. There's no defenders to avoid. There's no timing. There's no real cues. And what I've just described in the background has got loads more in it. They're learning concepts which are related to the direction, the goal, and the opponent, you know? And then that's where you've got to zoom in as the, even the grassroots coach. And one way to say it might be, imagine you were playing British Bulldog or TIG, you know? What would you do? Oh, I'd run really fast this way. And then if they were catching me up, I'd stop and I'd go the other way. But this time you do it with the ball, don't you? So maybe that's, um, you know, a more simple thinking tool to help people. Yeah, definitely. I think there's, there's two major bits that kind of really stuck out for me there. You know, the first one being um, the, 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 the imagery of get close to the fire without getting burned. Um, mm. I think the beauty of that, I mean, I, I'm big on I'm big on using imagery in my coaching, and I think the, the beauty of that is 
you provide a reference point which can be interpreted for each individual and however they so, so for some they might thought actually i can get a little bit closer without getting burned and like, for some they might reckon actually you know what i yeah. actually want i actually need to touch you before i get burned mm. so it, it, there's still so, that subjective piece which then kind of leads me on to something that i'm you know I, I'm, I've, I've been kind of really exploring for the last couple of years in particular is moving away from this idea that we should even use technical practices in, in, in group-based sessions. Mm, mm. Um, not because I don't think they have their benefits, uh, but if we come back to the last piece that you talked about there about, you know, a slightly different context, the efficiency of using that. How efficient is it? If we know that it can work, that's great. But if we know something else could potentially work better and work work harder for us in the mm. same space of time, surely you don't want to do that. So, I mean, looking at, your example of the you know the bench and the gate and the one v one practice, what what are your general thoughts on utilizing technical practices, unopposed practices, um, or are you in, in you know in a in a similar way to myself for the idea of actually let's yeah. just go let's just go opposed straight away and just maybe put some constraints on it. Yeah, the sort of funny thing here is the sort of the the uh, it, you wouldn't think it'd be like this, but it's actually. The top players people see doing these practices and they then think, oh, that's how we'll learn them. But I don't think that's the way the top players definitely learn them. They've already got in their mind, they can imagine there's a defender there and play the ball away and so on. And and they have it in them for this. Uh, they've already got it ingrained, accuracy and efficiency. And so so they can get something out of that. And quite often they're just like a warm up drill or or something that they're doing. Um, that avoids injuries or or what have you. It's just, you know, um, and of course sometimes people people just do it because everybody else does it. But you've got to have a reason for it. So definitely, my in thinking, how do we learn? Why do we learn like we do? Uh, there's a lot in here for people who, who want to study it. The language is a bit difficult sometimes, but definitely ecological dynamics has a lot of clues in this for sport. Um, but I think of it like this. We are natural uh, animals to be a part of the animal kingdom. Not so long ago, we were hunters and gatherers. Still people in the world doing that, hunting and gathering and so on. So we are here for survival, which means quite a lot of the time we've had to find the food or kill the food. Or we've had to survive by get, by being alert to other predators that could kill us. And then we have to procreate and so on. So we come out born with those so, you, you know, you, you and you, if you train it up, you can train, you know, for kids to check both ways over the road. And before you know it, they can do even though they can play chicken and run all the way through because they, they've got they, they've got the capabilities of doing it, you know. And then sport quite often is what brings out these capabilities, whether it be rugby, football, you know, we, we can see, we can sense danger, we can hunt. So if we're hunting for the ball, there's this three stages of hunting, really, where we organise our our hunt, we're prowling and we're, we're, we're stalking the hunt. Then the hunt comes. So we now we're in the chase to win the ball back. And then we've got the technical bit where we kill and we get the ball and we win it back. So we've got all these uh, predator characteristics in there. And if we're not careful, all the drills and the stuff without opposition are detuning our natural characteristics. Our natural characteristics are to be really clever. So you, so you go, well, Jimmy Vardy, what a predator. Lewandowski, you know, isn't he clever, cunning? So that's what we have to do. We have to change also the narrative of the game. 
we want to develop a, a, a clever, cunning players who outwit the opponents. So then if you look and going back to the girls on the field, there's nothing clever or cunning about it. You know, and it's uh, there's the two types. So there's the zoo, there's the zoo animal, the zoo lion, and there's the jungle lion. So the zoo lion gets up in the morning and the keeper says, oh, would you, what would you like for, for breakfast today? Would you like antelope? Would you like, would you, like um, you know, zebra? You know, would you like buffalo? What, what would you like? And that's this equivalent of like saying, passing it around these cones. And then on the other side, you've got the jungle. He's not eating for like a week. He's getting, he's getting, he's really hungry, but he can't waste his energy chasing all over. He's now got to get in the long grass, be cunning, get the right position, get the right timing. He's got to look for the weakness in the opposition and go, you know? I'm really glad you brought that up because, you know, I, I, I like to use the same analogy. I, I, I probably typically refer to it as a jungle tiger and zoo tiger as opposed to mm. a lion, but, you know, semantics at this point. But I think something that's really key in what you said there, and I think I just want to clarify for everyone listening. Would it be then fair to say that the, in your in your opinion, it's probably better for us to expose players to as many of the variables as possible, raising their awareness to what the variables then may be, for them to become attuned to actually what variables are impacted on them at any given moment? Because fundamentally, when you're talking about the top players do these unopposed practices, as an example, where they're doing it as a warm-up, as an example, they, um, at least in the way that I would look at it, it was they they, they can only visualise where that defender would be and what the potential action of the defender may be because they've had enough experience of that defender doing that certain action in response to a certain movement, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think what you've got to do is slowly build up, as we said, you know, you see those little concepts that are building up. If I knock it and run, I'm quite used by surprise. And part of that might be, because in football, you don't have to run in a straight line. You can run across your defender. So once you go ahead of them, you can run across them. There's a thing you learn. Now, I learned that in, that was our little predator group, our, our class, St. Hugh's School. Um, every day we played Wembley singles, Wembley pairs. I, I learned all that. I learned it off the other kids and so on. Nobody was coaching us that. Nobody coached us that at all. But our predator instincts were alive. And, and, and they were really alive. I was absorbed in it because I didn't want to get knocked out in the first round or the second round. Or uh, you gutted if, you, if that happens to you. So, it's, it's, you know, it was a good game for that. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, we've got these predator uh, capabilities, but then we have to put them into scenarios that are real to the game that will happen. So that 1v1 is quite real to the game. So there's a lot you can learn just in that. Now you can bring in 2v2 or 2v1. And they start to learn some of the same uh, cues and assets uh, or skills are the same as in 1v1. You just attach to it and you go to 2v1, 2v2, 3v3. Might be different situations, all different situations where you're going to learn the, the principle of it. And this is what I would say is, is um, very much like computer game learning design. You know, would they give you something like the 1v1 in the back garden is the first level? Yeah. So now this the second level, you learn those skills and now they give you a few cues. So, well, why don't you try taking it to the side and go and go in there? And now you've got disguise. So now they've learned a whole new set of cues. That's level two. But they're still doing level one. And now they're level two. Now they might throw in, oh, we've got a 2v1. There's someone coming to, to help on because it's 2v1s now. You still do the others, but now you've got to adapt to that. And then we go to 2v2, 3v3, and there's all different layers. And there's nothing wrong with going to 11v11 and see if you see that. But quite often you'll find 
that's too high a level yet, you know? So it's the, it's the same with, it's the same as doing your starting with your computer game. You don't want to jump to the top level because you're going to, you're not going to get very far. So you're slowly adding bits in. Um, and, and then of course, progress is the biggest thing for motivation. So they see a progress bar and what you have to do is clearly build in the, the practice that it's clear when they've done it well. So now the, 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 the motivation is fused with actually doing it well. Wow, I beat him there. And how did you beat him? Oh, well, there wasn't a lot of space. So what I actually did this time is I scooped the ball over his foot or I stuck it through his legs. And how did you learn that? Oh, that's because Johnny, Johnny's brother came and he's three years older than us and he was doing it to us. And now we're, so you, all oh, right, okay. And the coach has got, that, got to get that mix of environments so that they can solve those game problems. Um, but certainly, I don't think you can hardly ever replicate those with a mannequin or so on. That's for the people who already know what they're doing. Yeah, you know, I, I, I totally agree. And I, just to kind of bring you back to one of the points you talked about there, you said you know you can go straight to eleven v eleven. I think this is often obviously a big challenge for a lot of coaches, especially those maybe earlier on in their journey to maybe got less insights and less experience about how to kind of manage it effectively. But there's you know there seems to be a definitely a an attachment to the number of players and the ideal number of players they want in a session, but also maybe an oversight of just how much detail can go into a smaller number of practices, whether that be a 1v1, a 2v1, or 3v3, or whatever else that may be on a smaller scale. So just just on that, maybe just share some insight around, you know, what coaches could start to think about to really get them to appreciate just how much value and how much is there in front of them in a 1v1, yeah. in a 1v2, or a 2v2, or even a 3v3. Yeah to coach yeah well if if we start if we start from the stop the little the sort of model that i had is 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 a put right positioning you know positioning and body orientation so where do i position well the, he's in front of me in front of the goal so now if i move to the side and i make him go with me that i've got space there i've just created space on the other side now body orientation it might well be i've got my back to him you know, so or her. So what do I do? And then it would be now you get into your little common phase. And if they start to push on one side, it's like a revolving door. Pete Sturgis uses that push on one side. Well, you spin out the other way. And that's a good one for kids from their how they feel and their eye view. As long as they know what a revolving door is, you're OK. Your analogies, you've got to know what they are. But then you push it and they and they spin out the other way. Um, you know, and then, then you slowly building up these little concepts. Um, you know, going against the flow. Stop, start, stop, start. So you beat them. I couldn't beat, uh, I couldn't, there's not hardly anybody can beat Walker, Kyle Walker. He's too fast. But if you stop and you start, he's going fast. He's got to stop. He's got to start. He's got to restart. So in the transition between it, you can beat him, you know, or, and then you change direction and then use disguise. So you've got stopping and starting. You've got just pure speed. You've got um, slow, then quick, quick, then slow. So you've got all that range to explore. And these are the little things you'd be telling the kids. It might be they do a nice trick and they beat them, beat them, but they don't get away from them. No, you've got to run like hell and get away from them. And you've got to get your body across them. Then the next set of skills might be to all to do with using your body as a barrier. So, yeah, can you get your leg across? Can you get your arm across? Make it difficult for the opponent. Now turn out the other way. Get the other arm and leg across. Can you twist and turn? So there's so many things um, within it. 
And then when you start to play with with your with your mates, what have you? So I might drag and dodge in here. Now I look up to you. Now I'm gonna. I've got to play the ball in front of you. So there's a flow to it. So I think within all of these, there's a theme I'm starting to use. Say, so, so we want to flow towards the goal. Sometimes we'll flow away to escape them. But so if I take it, just bang go. I'll beat him with the speed with a, the speed of the flow. I can stop and start. So his flow is stopping and starting or hers. And then I can go to the side, opposite flow. If he pushes me on my back, it's like a flow to spin out the other way. So I can start to use that. Then you're going to use like the flow. Right. How do they know? So other key aspects would be playing between us. So you're playing on the right wing. I'm going to get the ball over here or even in a four or three or four. So what will happen is kids will get the ball. They'll stop it. Now they'll look up. Now they'll move the ball to where they want to pass to there. So that's a common stage they've got to get past. So the next the stage is do they look before the ball arrives to be able to pass to the wide player or not? If they've already had a look, they know where the defender is. Now they can get the ball and control it in one touch to the right place. So this is saving you seconds, you know. And now I can play that pass in front of my partner for him to run onto. Now, as it goes off the ball, he's got to create some space and get eye contact with me. So as he sees me, gets eye contact, the ball comes to me. I've looked over my shoulder again. So I might get the latest look as the ball's on the way. I'm getting the ball to the right place. He may have taken the guy away, so flow away, then opposite flow off the ball to check back. Now I play the ball, you know, to them. If if the def I might hold it because the defender might be close. I'll hold it, hold it, hold it. I'll look and now I'll look to play to the to my partner. But as I see, I'll look in that the, the fullback starts to move to intercept. And now with small late movements, I make it flow inside in for the ball behind. So, you know, all those sort of little ways of thinking. I think you just need a thinking tool and flow is a good thinking tool, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think everything that you've said it makes absolute sense to me, and I think the, 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 I guess the challenge here would be coaches who are, who are who are maybe coaching sessions now, and they've got a set idea of what their coaching points are, what they're looking for, what they're specific. They're so ingrained and set on that they might miss out a lot of these things that you're talking about here. So, on, on that, then you know, would you say that there's what, what what will be the guidance, I guess, in, in in some ways for coaches to kind of move away from coaching to a script to to, to many respects, um, and to actually start, you know, really focusing on wow, well, what, what's actually happening in the game because understanding that some of the technical information that they may have, but typically it may be coached in a script format if you like, waiting, you know, yeah. going to coach this, they're not going to coach this. Yeah, if you've designed your sessions well, you've got an idea what might come up. So these things are likely to come up all the time. So. That then you you've got like uh, you've anticipated uh, common mistakes. So if a player doesn't look before the ball comes, they're going to stop it and then look. Now they get my tackled or so you, you're going to see you're going to look. Obviously, you've got to look at the head and so on. Um, and and um, yeah, holding the ball for the right amount of time. Everybody is it's a key concept. Um, but a lot of the time here, oh, we don't want to lose the ball, so we pass it before anybody gets close to us. Move it fast, move it fast. Now, don't be wrong, that's 90% of the game will be like that. But there's a part of the game where you do want them to come close to you so that you can entice them and beat them, that you can play around them, play a one-two. So that's the arrogance of timing. It's like a bullfighter, a matador. Um, so it's it's not play quick. It's not ball speed. It's 
is hold the ball for the right amount of time to make the right situation. So you might want to entice them to you and play around them. Or if they're coming at you fast, you might want to play one touch and play around them and go. Um, so it's a case of thinking about flow. How do you get the right flow to a, a gain advantage over your opponent? Um, you know, would be a big part of it, yeah. And, and I think it's just, you know, the subtle thing within that is obviously the, a large part around the player, the player profile, right? In terms of the individual, and are they maybe fast, you know, if you use the Kyle Walker example, or well, Kyle Walker's faster, means I'm going to have to play a different way to him than I might play against, I don't know, a Harry, Harry Maguire as an example. Mm. And just recognising, right, what does that look like for me as a player playing against that? And what is it, you know, what goes through the mindset of maybe that player being against me as, as an example? So I guess, would you say this should be great emphasis then from the coaches um, working with the, with players to really highlight some of these variables um, and almost get to a point where you know I, I, I like to look at it now almost you got your you got your subjective detail and you got your objective detail objective detail meaning as an example um, if I'm going to strike a ball well what's objective is where I hit that ball, it matters more than what I hit it with in terms of where it's going to end up. What I hit it with can now be the subjective piece, like you mentioned, you know, oh, there's narrow space, so I might scoop it. Or I've got a bit more space here, so I might look to kind of clip it in behind or whatever that looks like. But those are the subjective pieces, right? But fundamentally, if I don't hit this ball on this part of the ball, it ain't going in that direction. So do you think there's more, there should be more emphasis now? Uh, in fact, what are your thoughts on that? as an approach and you know do you think there should be more emphasis on that for coaches to start to look at it in that way yeah i i think if you're not careful you you you're getting away these kids just playing football you know they're not they're not uh they're not on the coaching course you're on the coaching course but it doesn't mean you have to use all that coaching language with them so what i think is important and i've got a, quite a lot of down from from over years people said to me on my bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then place a five dollar wager on any sport you'll receive 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome and if you think the fun stops there the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it i got a huge assist from grammarly an ai writing partner that helped me make my point and it works everywhere i write Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Dad said, or oh, different people I've, I've, I've seen. 
and in little phrases. So all this idea of the flow and so on, and then you can and 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 then looking at the different concepts, like well, what do you actually say to the kid so that from the player's eye view, they've almost got like um like a guidebook in the game when you mention some of these things. So I've got I've got some here, Yaz, that different ones for coaches or, or different things that what but, but my dad would say, and it's just like, or different people would say. So here's one, uh, always trail a dribbler. If he's tackled, the ball will pop out loose to you or you're in a position to close down the opponent's possession. So it's very clear if he's running with a ball, trail behind him. If it pops out, you've got it. If not, you're in a position to it's like this counter press now to stop it and, and win the ball back. So it, it's it, it's straightforward. It's, it's nothing, you know, um, doing it. This is one here from Oli Gunnar. I, I hate Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. I hate it when people say make the keeper make a save. No, place the ball just out of his reach. So that's the flow one. How do you beat the keeper? You don't just hit the target. People say hit the target. Make the keeper make a save. Why Why would you want to make the goalkeeper make a save? It's like, yeah. play it just out of his reach. So that's the accuracy it's and efficiency. Yeah. I mean, this this one for me was always a classic with my dad because um, it was Bobby Charlton he grew up with. But it's like, drop your shoulders, you know, take to the guy on sideways. So you got this is the flow. You take him to one side. You knock the ball well out of your feet to beat him. And now run at the ball as hard as you can so you're getting speed up for the power hit through the ball with all your body. So you're going to hit everything through it and both feet off the floor. So that's how you end up. You, you, you Both feet come off the floor. And he said, but both feet off the floor like Bobby Charlton. And in fact, the best description I heard was from uh, Steve Perriman played for Spurs. He played against Bobby Charlton. He said, wow, when he hit that ball, it's like his, his follow through was like he was hitting four balls. Hit one, two, three, four. You know, so that, that's given me a vision of, right, how do I strike that ball? And I use that with lots of people, you know. Here's one from Rennie Moonenstein. Don't run one way, look one way, pass one way. So don't make it so obvious. And this is like, these are like little, you know, the, the, these are the way you learn the, the game. You know, it's not, you know, this, one, uh, this one's run, uh, this one's done how. If your teammates get caught out of possession, fill in for him. He must sprint back and release you into position. You know, well, that's I, I, I think, I think it's so that's simple. It is, I, I, you know, if we started your journey up, Paul, because uh, mm. there's a lot of people like you know they're getting involved in coaching on a general level, but that don't really understand the game. Mm. Okay, you know, what, what understanding the game really means, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure, but. Um, they probably don't have enough experience to really, you know, like you said, use what would be uh, formal terminology within, the, within, the, especially from a coach education context. So I think you know, being able to pl- you know provide the depth of detail through use of imagery or through direct statements like some of the ones that you just shared, it makes absolute sense. And I think, <clears throat> but there's uh, Definitely a danger, like you said, of you know, you get you, you we could get we if we're not careful, we could get in a situation where players are just playing football, subsequently making us coaches redundant. What are we there for if we're just gonna let them play? Um surely we should be there as a guide and a and a, a reference point. <coughs> Sorry. So I guess, you know, 
I'm I'm now thinking about a conversation I had recently with, one, with a good friend of mine, and you know, talking about the need for maybe objective references in the game. Do you think that we, we're moving into a world where there's too many um, disagreeable opinions or uh, agree to disagree kind of situations, and not enough actually? Do you know what? Whether we want to do it in our way or your way, this is something that needs to be aligned. Uh, I, well, I think what you have to do is, you, you, Jim Ryan said this, coach what you like. You, you've got to coach what you believe in, how you do it. But of course, you need to back it up with research and with, um, you know, that you know this is the way players learn and this is how you do it. And um, But I'm saying these are the sayings, little sayings that we'll all learn the game through, you know, like uh, man on, drop off, you know, all, all these little the guidebooks uh, of sayings of, uh, of what to do. Um uh you know play side on look over both look over your shoulders all these things that's, that's how you learn it now as you go on you 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 find more but i mean here's one of the best pieces of advice i ever had i was lucky i went with my dad into training when i was a kid i went to matches i went to scout games with him so when i was 14 years old went to stockport county on a friday night it was they used to play on a friday because they wanted to avoid man city or man united games um, and I was there was a crowd of coaches in the in the director's room, and I'm stood listening to my dad and them. And this guy turned and said to me, "Well, he's a guy called Peter Doherty. In the 1930s and 40s, he was like De Bruyne for Man City. He was like a superstar. He then became manager of Northern Ireland in the World Cup '58. And so he said to me, "Well, son, do do, do you want to be a player?" Do you want to be a player? And I said, wow, yeah, yeah. I was like obsessed at the time. I was, well, you're practicing like mad, you know. And he said, I'll give you one piece, a little piece of advice. He said, never kick a ball aimlessly. And I, like, I went home and I was already practicing loads. But from that moment, and I've got to hit the spot on the wall. I've got to hit the post, got to hit the bar. I've got to put that ball, not just to you, to your right foot, your left foot, to play the ball in front of you, to get, to make it the right weight. To, so, so, so even the, the the guy I'm watching yesterday, you know, he's just in a field. He's like, we need to instill that in because that's a massive part of the game, the accuracy and efficiency of what you do, and uh, and your understanding. That as you get better, the more concepts you get, you go well. Not only do that, I've got to know what you like in in terms of how you play. I think. Uh, um, Thierry Henry was on about this a bit ago. How you have to, how we play, you have to play differently with different players. Some might yeah, want a one-two. Yeah. Someone might play you in. So that's a higher level of the of the efficiency yeah. and accuracy. That's the never kick a ball aimlessly. I'm kicking it for Haaland or so on. So that 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 becomes a, a next level for the coaches. But within right from the start, if that's only one thing, if you just go and watch a training session and you you you're saying to the players. I used to call because I like the flow idea. If it's if it's accurate, efficient, it's flowing. So that means I've played to the right foot. I've played it in front of you. I've played it at the right weight. I've not bobbled it. Uh, it's given you time to look over your shoulder. You've had a look. You've now got the timing of the of the movement to show you when you want it. So you're aiming for flow. Now, obviously, you're just starting off. They're not great at kicking the ball, but but you have to keep instilling it. It's like crossing the road. You don't stop it just because they can't do it. You have to say, no, smooth it out, play the pass in front. And then when it works for them, they start to get it. They Then it becomes really pleasurable, you know? 100%. I think also, you know, well, two things. First of all, you know, I think 
exactly what you said about not kicking it aimlessly. I mean, I use slightly different terminology, but my, you know, I, I said, I'll be deliberate and intentional about every action we take on the pitch. Got to do it with purpose. It's, it's got to be a meaning behind it. You can't just make a run for the sake of making a run. And make yeah, a run. yeah. It doesn't always mean that you're going The language is important, you know, so I, I like smooth it out because you can see when it's bubbling. You can see yeah. when it's out there. You can see when it's not there. You can see when they've had to wait. Yeah the pass before it goes into them. So smooth it out. And then that's a, that's a theme I would use. So I think themes are good. And then your language can come out all the time. Smooth yeah. it out. You know, you, you know, knock the bumps out of that that pass. Um, where's the flow? You've got to get the timing at the right time to make it flow. So a lot of it links all together. So I, if from my one before, positioning, if I get the positioning right on the last line, I'm going to be able to play you through. But if I'm body orientation, he's going to gain me advantage. If I'm back to goal and you're back to goal, but if I go side on, now I've got an advantage. So that's my flow of movements even better. Now, if I'm side on, I can look both ways quickly and I get the, the latest information. That's the latest flow of information. And if I've got the latest flow of information, then I can, I can act on Now my body work, if I open up on my steps and the transition between one movement to the next is good, the flow will be better. You know, now it might be uh, I've, there's a small gap for you to pass the ball through. But if I run sideways, you can play that ball to me. Now, running sideways is better than running backwards, because if I run backwards and you play it, I can't make the same uh, transition. But if I'm running sideways, I can quickly run forward. You see a lot of the forwards do that. And then that's the extra flow. And then you've got the flow in terms of deception. I want you to read all my cues, read my cues, read it, read it, read it. Bump. Last second, the change in flow, and that also getting close to the fire makes you flow faster past me. You know, um, and then it's the timing and all those things, the smoothness of the technique. Absolutely makes sense to me. I think. Um... I guess the question that's floating around in my head at the moment is then, where did coaches begin with this? Obviously, you, you're you speaking from many years of experience, uh, in Gray and Carrick's words, uh, speaking from football privilege, being around it a long time, uh, being in a virus where you've had the, you know, you've had the privilege of obviously not only working, being around coaches and players, but also working with high level players and probably at some stage have maybe given some thought or been nudged to give some consideration to some of these things that we're talking about here. Where does a coach who started out earlier on in the journey or a coach who isn't quite there yet with these considerations in mind and who's of the mind of actually are my players just enjoying what's going on? Not quite, you know, because my, my challenge to coaches always, you know, what's your purpose? What, you know, what's, the, what's your role as a coach? I have to get my players to enjoy and fall in love with the game. Okay, yeah, but once they've fallen in love with the game, then what? Yeah, and that's why I think it's maybe a simple thinking tool to to think of. We're going to flow to the goal. Okay, how? Why didn't it flow? Oh, yeah, it didn't go one way than the other. Well, opposite flow is important. Oh, I didn't use opposite flow. Oh, and the speed, the speed of flow, the accuracy of flow. So, I'm just trying to give a few tips for people who, you know, and I think you could probably apply that for basketball, rugby, you know, quite hockey. You could apply that as a general. Things. So you don't have to be a football coach to do it. You can just see uh, and, it, and it makes sense. You know, I'm just going off the most simple things that my dad used to say to me. You're like, if you lose the ball, be the first and work the hardest to win it back. In around the box, dribble and shoot or cross. If someone's in a better position, pass. When you're a kid, like try and score. 
don't just pass it to someone. You got to think, is he in a better position? No. Can you dribble and shoot? You know, all, all those sort of things. Um, very simple, but, you know, made a big difference. Um, you know, loads of them, simple, really simple things um, that, that I think just little phrases that you want people to be aware of is Bob, Bobby Charlton. Jimmy Murphy used to say from Bobby, Bobby from distance, just hit the ball as hard as you can straight at the goalkeeper. So from 25 yards, as hard as you can straight at the goalkeeper. It will move to one side. If you don't know where it's going, how can a goalkeeper? <laughs> so Bobby Chan's got all sorts of amazing goals, but he was just trying to hit it as hard as he could, and then it would move. You know, so there's a. I think there's a. There's now stats. There's not as many long-range goals scored. It might be because nobody's encouraging them to do it. You know. You know, they, they, they should be doing that. Overhead kicks. Said that myself. Overhead kicks are one of the best bits of football. I never see it coached. Because probably in the old days you learnt it in the play, in, not in the playground, but in the in, in the park, throwing yourself about. You learnt it. I learnt it with my dad doing that overhead kicks, yeah, and it's such an enjoyable, it's an enjoyable gay thing to do. But it also is an important one because it means that you've been able to judge the flight of the ball, but you've also mid-air been able to control and rearrange your body to get a, a, a connection. That's really. High level skill, you know, it's a real high level skill, but it also transfers to the other parts of your game, like Harry Kane always, you know, rearranging his body to score, um, you know, the the big ones. So it's yeah, it's just finding little little things that make a difference, you know. Um, there's a good one, Martin Tom Martin Thomas. <laughs> Martin Thomas, the goalkeeper at Newcastle, and he was at the FA. He was fan he's a fantastic guy. He's a great coach, but even more so, like a really funny f guy. So he's got a great quote that he got off somebody else. You know, when he started at Bristol Rovers, if you start to think about defending when you lose the ball, it's too late. You know, my dad used to say something similar. Like he just say, "Well, you can't all be in the attack." You know, if there's five of you in the attack, there's got to be some of the others are defending. You know, so so that's another thing about you know as you get up for the coaching, the the now everybody sort of coaches these topics in possession, transition, all that. Well, that's happening constantly. You know, you I would say it's not in possession and out of possession. It's more the intention. So you're in possession. You're going down the wing. The winger's got the ball. There's forwards in, the wingers in, two midfield players are in, another midfield player on the edge of the box, the fullbacks on the edge of the box, and the other defenders are def on the halfway line and defending. So half you've got the intention to score from the cross, the other half have got the intention to stop there to win the ball back. You know, so and that that'll that'll change depending on what happens with the ball. It's constantly changing. So. That would be a, a you know, a, a, like with my dad was the simple version of that. You know, you can't all be in the attack. You know what kids are like? They're all running in the boxes. There's nobody at the back. What's going on? So, yeah, these little ways of teaching the game that to just make in the moment, if I'm in the middle of midfield and I have that thought in my head, go, oh, we're in there. Hang on, I'm going to count. There's the winger and the fullbacker down that side. Centre forwards in. Another midfield man's in. The winger's in look behind me, I've only got two at the back, 
I've got to defend now. You know, so it, it's like something that that's in you in your head then from from like a um yeah it's like a, a player's eye view of the of the game a guidebook to you isn't it a little remind you re- reminder yeah I, I think you know I guess in some in some ways I think it's probably uh, it probably becomes a challenge obviously at younger ages that you know people just really literally refer to it as that like, oh I'm an attacker or I'm a defender mm. actually no you're a player on the pitch mm. you just have to be attacking at this moment. Um, when does the attack and when does the defense actually begin? Is obviously you know a massive question because you know I, I, I have you know taken on board that last quote that you just given there. You know it is too late. One team you, once you've lost the ball, it's too late. You need to you need to provide some security yeah. and prep for that. Before here's, it here's the other one that's similar to that. Is uh, this one's from Pochettino? Um, what's the most important moment in football? The one that's about to happen, right? Well, yeah, that's the one you've got to guess because a lot of the kids go when you score a goal, they do this or do that. Yeah. But no, the most important is the next one. Yeah, you might have scored, but you've got to defend the next one. You might have, you know, uh, clear the chance or you whatever. It's the next moment that is the most important. So you're constantly in transition, aren't you? It's the next moment. Is that's the the, the secret? The Roy Keane. Why is Roy Keane such a top player, the best in of his day? In midfield, that was the reason because he was always reading where to go, what to do. This is, I guess, this is going back to where I was, what I was talking about earlier in terms of should there be more emphasis on coaches being able to, you know, take the attention of the players to what the considerations could be, so what the variables are they should need to consider, not because they're they're impacting on them at this exact second, but these are what could have an effect on you. So as an example, well, it's not just where the defenders are, but actually how are the defenders positioned? How, you know, is the defender two yards away or is he four yards away? Is she is she on your shoulder or is she dropping off? And, you know, just not to say that there's, there's a definitive outcome. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, but these are the little cues. These are the little, right? Yeah. These are the little that I think we should be teaching or discovering for ourselves through. This is like, I think it's a little manual in your head that attunes you to what could happen in the scenarios in the game. So years at Man United, they won loads of leagues. And I was lucky to be sat close to the, to the, the, the action and um, constantly, constantly, Brian Kidd would shout to the defenders, numbers, position, numbers, position not this position because you know they'd be like united are all over some team you know they're and they've got say one up front and they've got the, or two and and they, they said just get your numbers right have you got one back one extra are you in the right position do you, do you keep moving and checking your positions because you've got to stop the counter-attack and quite often they play two on two because they were pushing pushing forward so that's that's another good one numbers and position um you know, you, you, that's that's always happening. I just said it there myself. Didn't I? Five in the box. Who's coming there? You got you got to count. He's he's, he's counting. You and you're reading the possible danger. Your anticipation. On on that, do you do you, do you think um, it's a debate I often have with with, with, with some of the coaches I, I know? Do you think some people just don't get to the point where they can build that manual? Yeah, it's, I suppose it's like the players. You've got to start slowly. Um, the process, 
and, and once you've got an awareness of the process and awareness that you know, actually this is how people learn so this is this is how the brain works you know we we work we can't take everything in you know so i'm sat outside here i can see trees but there's loads of different trees i don't know what they are because i've never learned them all you know but there's different trees you go you go outside in these cars you know so you've got suvs you've got saloons you've got coupes you've got and we all know if we're going to buy a car or what have you these, these different types you know so the, your, your mind categories dogs you know dog when you start off you know dog don't you and then you start to go well, hang on these big dogs these small dogs he's and then it starts to now it's the same within football so what are the categories so i see we're attacking say we're attacking in the final third how are we going to get through well crosses we're going to get through with crosses the best way is to get through with a run for a pass so you get behind the defense but they're going to stop you doing that crosses and such. so now you might need combinations and dribbles and or you might run with a ball say two if you want or you might have power shooting but the other side to it how you're going to win it as well is like having that security ring to win it back there's about six things there to work on and then there's six little you know how, how do we do it so jim then we can break down within within the combinations jim ryan would break it down you you're either enticing them to come to you or you're going at them or you might be going to the side and then going back across their flow there's three different ways or it might be a disguise to shoot and then you play a pass and, and so on so yeah we should be definitely the enticing to or, or committing should be that should be drummed in earlier in the in the coaching coaching process you start to look for those things um and then you, you know you could do the same with all the movements so it's a blindside run and open up and so on so yeah it takes time i mean i'm talking about 20 odd years 30 40 years in for more than that in football but also i had a bit of time to not directly coaching all the time recently you, yeah. you can look at it you know just just on that do you, do you think that maybe obviously you talked about you know being involved in it for 30 40 years you know you've seen generations of coaches come through and and come by would you say that the this is obviously generalizing here but would you say that we become softer as coaches in terms of how much we how much we try to get across and actually try and communicate with the players in that respect um no i don't think so i think this this now because it has become more tactical it's a lot more tactical they changed the rules in the last few years um change the laws you know you can play in your own box so on now there's a lot more people playing out from the back the pitches make it better but basically guardiola changed all that there was people doing it before you know the great teams for the past doing it but um the game's changed so more people are trying to do that now so that then becomes a higher focus and then part of that that's why i did this work under the microscope stuff to say no let's zoom in on the positioning and body orientation of people are scanning the movement skills footwork body work disguise timing technique to, to say let's how do we zoom into the individuals more um yeah because you can you can have all your patterns and your and your, and your formations but if the individuals can't do the things you need it's, it's not going to work You've got my you've got my mind flowing around different ideas and different things and even challenges some of the things that I've I, I currently do look at. But you know, I, I'm sure we could probably 
be here for hours and hours, Paul. Um, yeah. Talking about all the different things that um, the conversation can lead us to, but just want to really, you know, really curious. You know, you, you mentioned obviously there that you're, you know, you're in between roles at the moment. Just share a little bit around, you know, some of the consultancy work that you're doing, and maybe potentially how people can access that if, if there's something of interest in it. Yeah, some of that be, you know, has been with pro clubs, or it could be with, it could be with junior clubs as well, depending on what's happening. I've done some uh, stuff with the FA on courses and stuff, so there's one possibility to do do some courses of your own do sort of build them up to two three day courses maybe that could be something of interest to people um yeah going to different places going to america doing a bit of coaching uh, so been in another been in ireland been in yeah been in the northeast so yeah i'm available for for all of that really um in the ideal world i'd i'd, I'd get a full-time job in the northwest in a club because you know every day is what you really want to do um, but if not, I think then consultancy in pro clubs or, or or with junior clubs can you know could help. You want you want to add value really. So um, yeah, they, 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 they you know they say keep. Pardon. I was just going to say, is there someone they can get in touch with you if they wanted to you know explore that further with for themselves? Yeah, well, yeah, they can. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, but also they can use the um, website. The yeah, I've got a McGuinness Football Consultancy, um, and that's yeah McGuinness M C G U I N E S F C at yahoo.com. Yeah. Awesome. Just a, just a final one that uh, Paul mentioned that uh, you know that that one piece of advice that you got and not kicking the ball aimlessly. What would be one piece of advice you give to a young coach or, or a coach looking to kind of really take their their impact and their value to the next level well i always it's hard to say one <laughs> there's lots of things you say i i used to i really like the thing jim jim ryan said to a load of us coaches he said coach what you like coach what you like because then it's coming from your beliefs how you feel uh, you get that feeling over you the biggest job um is convincing the players so it's hard to convince them if you're doing somebody else's work or somebody else's session, you're not quite sure. Um, so, yeah, do, 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 what, do what you enjoy. But also now I think the more I'm the last few months is is really you've got to imagine it from the player's eye view. Put yourself in their shoes. And in that sense, I, I see a lot of practice and I think you would never do that if you were their age now, you know. <laughs> Passing around these cones, and doing, you'd be playing a game. You'd be, you know, kids don't, you don't see it. They don't go on their own to the park and do football drills. You know, if there's two or three of them, might kick a ball. You know, do different things. But you know, find some sort of game. And and look, if you put any game down, you put a game down. We didn't do a lot to change the stuff when I was at Man United. We used to do pretty much the same stuff all the time. As long as it looks like the game, it's getting the things you want then it, it, it's it's good. Now, it's up to you then to know the little concepts, the little ideas, like I said, the change the direction, change the speed, stop, start. So they're, they're actually more simple than you think sometimes. You know, use your body as a barrier, barrier and use disguise, you know. Uh, um, prepare your space by going away before you come short or whatever it is. There's all, lots of these little concepts that you can, loads of things you can come out. And if you... Um, if you just set up a game and then you see where the kids are at with it, do they look before the ball comes? No, they don't. Oh, that's something I've got to get over. Now, that that doesn't just like happen with one session. It's something you've got to do a lot of. And then you go to the thing. Then you go to the, you say, well, we're ready for the next game. Yeah, but this same game, as soon as they start looking over the shoulder, 
the game's changed. It's a different game now. You know, it's, it's, the, the game is made up of the of the possibilities of the players, isn't it? We went to, we went to uh, Barcelona. We saw them doing seven aside and everything. And then they, I think it was under 12s, 13s, they were playing 11 aside. And you could see how the seven aside, they just added people in. They were doing the same sort of work and patterns. But they were playing on a full-length pitch. It was massive. And after a bit, I was, I was looking, I was thinking, yeah, but they're getting all the things they did in the seven aside out got more space, they can do it. So th that side of the game, they're getting lots from. Well, then you think if they play on the same pitch for the next year and the next year, they're getting bigger, stronger. They've also got more concepts, more ideas about the game. So the game gets more challenging because it's it's all tighter. You know, which makes sense, doesn't it? Give them more space at the start and then less space at the end. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think it's a lot. Essentially, if you go back to, you know, where, where, you, where we started the conversation, Roy got it, boom, hits it, 
really fast at the lad nearly falls over his eyes pop out of his head and all the rest of the kids are like ah what's going on boom boom well by the time 15 10 minutes later every one of them's going boom boom they want to do it like roy you know they want to do it like him so you know it's one of the it's, it's the least used coaching method but it's the best method because if we're going back to hunters and gatherers how did we do that you know we didn't sit sit at home you know uh in in the in the hut and have lessons on it on a chalkboard we used to go out with the elders with the uncles they the all the guys and they'd show you did when first they'd let you watch for a bit see how we do it come and shh, keep quiet and then they teach you and then in the end you're in on it and you're you can do it all that's to me that's how it works ties it up beautifully in terms of the phrase that you used earlier around just used it a couple of times at the start of the conversation about being in the room being yeah in the room being in a room, room with those people yeah you've got to get on the hunt haven't you you're not going to know how to hunt unless you get in the hunt you know a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah paul you know i really appreciate your time today you know again i think we could probably be sitting here for hours and hours and talking about so many different aspects um but i think there's a lot in what we've just discussed hopefully there's going to be a lot for people to take away i know certainly it's given me some food for thought and uh, something to reflect on as well and just even in, in many ways further clarify some of my existing uh, you know approaches to coaching and uh, the way in which i work with players so really appreciate your time and you know massive thank you for that you know no it's been enjoyable good definitely look after yourself paul have a great day cheers mate there you have it guys, another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favourite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.